Hello, everybody. Welcome to Shatter the Glass. I'm your host, Zane Helmich. On this episode, we talk to Timberlane Kakmak, who is one of the founders of True You Yoga. He's also a life coach and a yoga instructor. He does this along with his sister, Noelle Kakmak, and his mother, Trudy. Noelle was going to join us on this episode, but she could not make it, unfortunately, but she will be on for future episodes. And just before we get started here, I want to remind my fans here to like and subscribe to our channels on Spotify and Apple and any other platform that you are on. Please look up Shatter the Glass, give us a follow, share our episodes, because we are powered by you, the listeners. And this is the first of multiple episodes that we will have as a series with Tim and Noel as we dig deep into the world of natural remedies and practices of the like. You're listening to Shatter the Glass, the home of common ground and free speech. Let's get to it. We're joined by Timberlane Kakmak. Tim, how are you doing, buddy? I'm doing excellent, Zane. Thank you for having me here. Well, it's great to have you on board. The last time I did a podcast, we were just getting over the cold spike, and I had to address the audience of how cold it was being minus 40. Next thing you know, it's plus six today. Did you see that crazy storm we had a couple days ago? I cannot believe what the weather's been doing lately, Zane. I saw. Like, my truck was literally frozen for about two days. It was that kind of cold because it got to minus 20 again after that huge blizzard. I haven't seen anything like that in a long time. It was literally like having a, a hurricane in the winter. Yeah, wind, ice, uh, very uh, makes us stronger as Albertans for sure. It <laughs> sure does. But uh, anyways, Tim, let's get down to brass tacks here and why we have you here today. Um, for those of you that don't know Tim, he has a business called True You Yoga Inc. He runs that with his sister, Noel and his mom, Trudy. So um, he's going to talk about a variety of different things today. Let's just get things started first, Tim. If We're going to progress with some of the obvious, with the COVID challenges over the last two years, but I want to get... Um, an idea of your background first. Can you tell us, Tim, about your business, True You Yoga Inc., and how you got started with life coaching in general? Thank you, Zane. Again, it is a pleasure to be here. So <clears throat> the business was born out of COVID. It was born out of a need where lots of people were finding uh, challenges in life, transitions out of jobs, mental health challenges galore, uh, and some of the traditional services we're trying to adapt online yoga studios closing, gyms closing, and then how do we how do we be adaptable and resilient as a society and also as a passionate person myself wanting to be there for people, help people, right? Uh, and draw on my skills that I have and as a family too. So in 2020, um, mid-year, we decided that, well, it doesn't look like we're going to do a lot of in-person yoga teaching right this minute. Having Myself at that point, about 10 year background, my mom a 10 year background, my sister five years or so, we put our heads together and said, we're going to show up for people, we're going to be there for them. And we started our online virtual yoga studio, which continues to grow. And it's a, it's really an extension of our family. It's an extension of our values for helping people live their life to the fullest. And it's supporting people's well-being, nurturing their peace of mind and full potential. Interesting, Tim. 
you know, you don't have to get too personal about this if you don't want to, but um, can you outline any personal challenges that you've had to overcome to achieve a level where you felt that you could help others? I, I know it's hard to practice what you preach sometimes, but how do you navigate the balance of progress, learning, and continuing to overcome inevitable challenges who, for someone who's on a learning journey himself, trying to be that uh, that beacon of light, so to speak? Well, we'll see how personal it gets, Zane, and thank you for respecting that space, but that's what we're here for, is to really connect. Shadow the glass, as we say, right? <laughs> that's right, Tim. <laughs> and find that common ground. <laughs> Absolutely. Zane, did you ever see Alice in Wonderland? Uh, I did as a kid, for sure. You did? She, what is she chasing in there? Uh, that cat, right? Or uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> It's been a long time. What was the basic plot line again? I think she was chasing her, like, her, her dreams, right? Was it a white rabbit? The white rabbit. Right? You... I thought it was the white rabbit. Okay, yeah, the white rabbit. Yeah, sorry, Tim. It's been a long time since that's, I watched that. That's okay, but if I remember the initial part of it, just to make a link here. Uh, she falls asleep, right? She's t- her mom's reading her book. She's under the tree. She falls asleep. We don't know that she falls asleep because she sees this white rabbit and follows him down the rabbit hole, right? Uh, when she at the end of the thing, she wakes up and her her mom's saying, "Alice, Alice." <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that in life, we end up a lot of times chasing white rabbits. They might not actually be real. They might be dreams. We don't know where they're leading to. And so you talk about personal challenges. But one of the challenges, and it's at the centerpiece of our business, we call it True You Yoga for a reason. What we do is about truth. Well, as I go through journeying, you talk about progress and growth and highs and lows. Well, one of the things that creates suffering in life is when we don't see things clearly. If we're actually trying to find our fulfillment in our accomplishments, if we're trying to find our peace um, on that racetrack of fulfillment perpetually trying to get it it can cultivate more anxiety than peace i'm sure many of us have felt that uh and that not a lasting deep contentment but that kind of fleeting well well now what am i good enough did i really address the issue here and so those types of emotions around feeling good enough uh i think we share those as a human that's a fundamental human fear to be accepted to be loved to be belonging and needed And so working through those needs has been a huge part of my personal journey. And as I address those better and better, I have more humility for how hard that is uh, and more empathy for everyone when we're working through those highs and lows uh, and then more capacity to ask some of those hard questions and be there with people to help guide them and support them as a coach, mentor, leader, uh, and so on. I totally resonate with that being there for each other and and being relatable to the sense that we all kind of feel some type of battle within our body is that safe to say i know that i've had my battles over the last couple of years with myself and uh, it's a pretty common theme especially in today's world with so much social media and we're all so interconnected with each other it's almost it's a blessing but it's also a curse is it not the connectivity is a blessing the amount of comparison that we can get ourselves into, the amount of overwhelm with the noise, it's quite the art to be able to actually cut through to what matters. But our brains did not evolve to deal with this much action. Yeah, that's that's totally correct. Our brains haven't evolved enough to deal with all this action. That's 
that's a very interesting way to put it. Um, and, and it could not be more relevant to today's uh, issues that we face today, especially with all the disconnect we felt in the last two years, not being around each other. I thrive being around people. Do you? I would love to. I, I was telling someone was asking me what I need more of my life. And I said, hugs. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't that the truth? People, even if it's a high five and a fist pump, sometimes clients will... Um, they want to be close and then there's maybe sometimes rules in different environments like in studios or in gyms and whether we follow them we do our best to do so (laughs) but i think a lot of us are really aching for that connection and i know our bodies are uh, responding our minds are responding we're feeling that weight Uh, i know myself too you know um, thyroid has been a challenging thing the past year Uh, balancing fitness and motivation when you're going through uncertainty is a very hard human emotion. We don't know when things are going to end. We don't know how long it's going to last, when a restriction might come up. Um, for me, with my daughter out of province, when I'm going to be able to see her next, sometimes they close a flight or block a border or things happen, right? So this has been a very challenging time for sure. For sure. People have uh, been having all kinds of different challenges this year, which kind of leads into a really good question that I wanted to ask you. We're going through strange times right now. People getting into other people's business more frequently. Others telling you what you should and shouldn't do with your own body. Depending on who you're talking to, of course, the word natural almost seems frowned upon at this point. But the reality is, there's lots of solutions to go around. Why are some people so dismissive of that? Part of what I hear in the question is the, the society seems to have a level of sides. There's like a lot of us and them. We have our, for example, we got our vegans and we got our only meat eaters. We got our um, big bodybuilders and we got our like only body weight people. <laughs> we have we have all sorts of things. Some people only eat raw. Some people will do their super crazy morning routines always really early. Uh, intermittent fasting, different supplements, different cold exposures, all sorts of different things going on. Uh, I don't think the theme is new. It's just, um, what do they say? Same poop, different pile. (laughs) (laughs) It's like different, uh, it's human nature in, in some regards, a certain aspect of human nature. This is what I know. This is what I write. I think is right. It's the mind's tendency to want to be correct and to have certainty and then to be defensive about that. That's what we tend to do when we're not being fully awake in the world, fully conscious, critical, open, and really realizing that, you know, what this person does and what that person does, even if there's, it, it may affect us in some ways, right? If a person, uh, if a person is depressed and overweight and sad and constantly in and out of the hospital or that's has an impact on, taxpayers' daughter, dollars on moods, on parenting, on the, if your two kids are in the class and they're different parenting and all the things that are going on, really um, everything's interconnected, but you have to still stay in your lane to some extent and focus on what you can't control, what you can influence, and come from your place of truth and of power. The first time I practiced meditation, I knew the benefits instantly. Like, for me personally, it took some time to really focus and feel those 
positive effects on my life. And then, of course, I started taking vitamin D and zinc, which really helped me kind of tame some of my anxiety. It didn't happen overnight. It took maybe a few months to actually start circulating through my system. But there's definitely something to be said uh, about these natural remedies that some people choose not to really believe in. When I try to tell someone like that, um, that this really helped me, and then they try it, they don't see the results overnight. So they either quit doing it or they just leave it where it was altogether up on the cupboard there not to be touched ever again so it's it's kind of um in a way a, a little heartbreaking to me that someone doesn't really want to necessarily try to open up their mind you know at least try it you know i think i think i come back to this thing the amount of knowledge that we know versus the amount of knowledge that is out there <laughs> It's, it's such a tiny sliver that we're actually aware of. That number of unknown unknowns is tremendous, right? And there's sayings out there, you know, and some of them are misattributed. I've seen some of them attributed to Stephen Hawking, but I'm not sure if he actually said them. But I'll leave that to the literary ones. Uh, sayings out there that are, you know, the most dangerous type of knowledge is, is not what you don't know, it's what you think you know. That's not true. <laughs> and so we got people out there that uh, I really think as well, it's not I really think. If you look at the literature on stress and mental health and on behavior, as stress levels go up, as people get more and more heightened, more and more anxious, more and more overwhelmed, they are less and less mindful, less and less open because they're clinging. They want more and more certainty. They don't want change at that moment doesn't mean we get a better world from that, but it's not all the person's fault. And I remind myself, I'm not here to judge. I'm here to help and, and meet people where they're at. And people are at all sorts of different places, but we're still here as you know global brothers and sisters in one way or another. It's well said, Tim. I totally agree with that. We're all, we're all different. We all have our own things that work, and we just choose to do with it as we will. Going back to your career, Tim... How did you get into life coaching and how does one that aspires to be a life coach start the process? Well, we should strip it back. We got to figure out what is this coaching thing, right? Def definitely uh, happy to share my story, but I think a lot of my journey comes from <clears throat> trying to be true to my path and my calling. So, you know, we got different archetypes as people. Some people are passionate about wisdom and going deep. Some people love entertaining. They like to make people laugh, like a Jim Carrey or a Will Ferrell. Uh, some other people are much more, they love to research and they'll just like look into things and I'll be like, I've been in some of those labs and some of those people like love that. Other people are relationship people and other people are adventurers or like an Indiana Jones type, right? Yeah. Those sorts of different archetypes for me. I, I have a car coaching archetype to me. I like listening to people. I like supporting the process of them building their capacity and helping them strategize and plan. And coaching is different from advising in one really important way where someone comes to an advisor and says, hey, uh, this is my problem. Uh, I don't know how to get stronger. 
and then the advisor says, well, you lift, lift these weights this often, this much, you'll get stronger, right? Whereas the coach says, well, what are some things you've done in the past you've noticed has helped, right? What are some examples of things you, might, you could imagine being useful? And there's a place for both, but the coach is much more about supporting the other person and finding the solutions for themselves, right? And so for myself personally, I really enjoy coaching. It, feel, it feels natural. It's almost like someone who loves to sing. They just sing. And how it started, uh, it's been quite the journey. Maybe there's a specific part you wanted to know or something in that that I shared you wanted to jump in on. I'm not sure I don't want to ramble too much. No, Tim, that's very interesting. I really appreciate that. It's it's funny you mentioned how you're, you, you're good at talking to people and you like talking to people because I can literally remember meeting you for the first time, like it was yesterday, I remember. I think it was because you went to Laduca States, uh, right? Yeah, we went to elementary school together. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I remember we were on the way to a track meet, and I was sitting by myself on the bus, and you came and sat by me, and that's when I got introduced to you. And you were just the kindest guy. You were very personable, introducing yourself, and the first thing you always ask is everything about me you want to know about me and that's what I really respect about someone like you and someone who I can really relate to because you're always interested in the person beside you and that's kind of how I am I always want to get to know the person beside me and it's a good way to kind of tackle life I, I, I think that you flattered me and I'm reminiscing now <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I really love those track meets and it's it's funny the memories that stand out, hazing. Oh, I know. Not to be a, a, a dick or anything, but that's a pre- it's pretty random. Like it's a, it's like a one shot to maybe remember that, right? Because you meet so many people in life, right? I, I guess it stands out more because you and I are still in touch and we're we got a good relationship now here, and and things are great. But it's, it was such a nice memory. I, and I and I I appreciate that too. And I remember when I'm in those moments, especially on the bus to a race, I'm nervous. And so it's one of the things I might do is to, you know, connect with another person, take my mind off things, do something that I think is, it's mutually uplifting. You know, you connect with another human. And and I think so often, I, one of the things that separates a good coach from a great coach is, is when the coach focuses on the person, not the problem. The person is not something that needs to be fixed, some broken mess. Uh, the person is a whole human, a miracle of life right in front of them, going through something that they would like to have a better deal with better. Uh, but when you really focus on the person, I think Patch Adams said that really well in, in that Robin Williams movie too. I guess I got movies on my mind. Oh, what a but, sad movie. Such a good movie, but so sad. <laughs> so sad, so good. But remember that scene in there when he says when you, when you treat the illness, you lose, you, you win or lose. Yep. But when you meet the person, you win every time. You focus on the person. Yeah. That's a great uh, a great analogy. <laughs> I want to watch that now. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> you know, the theme of this episode has really been people-oriented. And in light of the last couple of years, how all of us have been feeling similar feelings of, I hate to be dark here, but almost hopelessness for lack of a better term, are you a firm believer that positive and negative energy in the whole world affects things, 
whether how we feel, how we how we perform, how we operate. Do you think positive and negative energy is a real thing? Write the question, Zane. <laughs> You're going deep, going metaphysical, going some of these things are hard to measure and, <laughs> and a lot of room for subjectivity. Um, I'll, I want to hone in on something you said that I think is really relevant, that hopelessness. And when I think about hopelessness, it reminds me quite quickly about trauma. So trauma is when something difficult happens that tends to persist and stretch us well outside of our comfort zone into the panic or shock zone, particularly when we do feel helpless. And if we felt like we had a good handle of it, if, even if it's a tough situation, you know, if you're on a white, rapid, white water rapids and you're having a good time because you still have enough control, you're going to make it. Versus if you got like no paddle, boats leaking, uh, something's chasing you, you might feel helpless, hopeless. Um, those two pieces, helpless and hopeless, are really important. And, you know, you can think about what sort of emotions do you feel when you feel those things? Do you feel your best? Do you feel kind of down? Right? And I think in, when it comes to language, positive and negative, we're trying to find words to describe things that are abstract. I don't think it says black and white. It's more of a, a, more of a spectrum. Uh, I heard an example recently about, I think it was Simon Sinek saying it, and he was talking about Olympic athletes and how a lot of the scenarios that they would be in, they, they, people, normal average Joes would say, I'm nervous, right? And when a person is nervous, they're getting sweaty, heart is up, they're feeling hot, these types of feelings, you're feeling stressed. Uh, but the Olympic athletes didn't use the word nervous, they used the word excited, which is the same type of feeling you get excited your, your blood's pumping you're feeling warm maybe some sweat too and you're more elevated but there's a there's a shift same stress different response to the stimuli and so i think positive negative is not always the you know i will if you get a rejection you're one step closer to the next yes right or is that or is that another reason to give up we have a tremendous capacity as human beings to become responsible, response-able, or able to control our responses, right, if we take leadership and cultivate that consciousness. But definitely, um, when there's collective sadness, the, the world feels it. I think we're connected enough emotionally on a broader energetic level um, to feel that as a broader empathy, yeah. Yeah, when I think of negative energy, I think of, as a writer, all the times that I submitted to some publications and got rejected pretty much every time. And you mentioned how every every rejection is closer to, you know, a positive, right? Like a yes. When I see that happening in my life, it really puts in perspective how important your reaction is to negatives. Because if you keep reacting negatively to negativity, you're just going to keep harboring that negativity and never turn anything into a positive. So I definitely see how that can be a toxic cycle for some people. It's really about breaking that cycle. Yeah, and I think the, the, the inner, inner discipline is hard. Outer discipline is very hard too, but it's really tough to organize your life with any discipline outside 
if you don't have some power inside. The tough thing is like, we know intellectually a lot of these things. Like we can say, I will persist until I succeed. Let's keep going. Who, who, who fails if they never give up? Most people are going to get some progress if they keep finding ways and adapting. Same thing. Another thing I say to myself is like, light shows the way, darkness shows the stars. You, you need you need both. Like there's a place for them. A flower, uh, when it dies, it gives seeds. You know that dead flower is the seed for the next flower. There's cycles. There's purpose. There's reason. But we have we touched on unknown unknowns a little bit. Talked a little bit about how the unconscious or things we're not aware of is much larger than the things we are con- conscious of. Have you heard about the phrase or the story about the elephant and the ant? I haven't. Elaborate. It's just a, it's a metaphor for the conscious and unconscious. So the ant, little, especially compared to an elephant, is the conscious mind. Much smaller. That's the part of us that says, you know, I don't want to eat all those cookies. <laughs> <laughs> I should go to bed right now. <laughs> uh, you know, I should be doing some work or I should be resting or whatever the, the thing that knows these things, right? Uh, time for better habits, says the ant. But it says those things to the elephant. <laughs> <laughs> so the elephant, if the elephant is not on the same page, right? Ant is going to have a tough time. Even if the ants go in the right direction, the elephant is, is, you know? So we have to work on the things that also get down to the lower, lower levels or the subconscious levels. And that's a lot of where yoga comes in because it helps to get us out of our thinking mind that's very chattery. And when you connect into your breath, when you lower your brain waves down toward theta brain wave states, when you start to get into deeper levels of meditation, there's more space for letting go of some of those fear patterns. You can start to repattern. The yoga literature is strong on that, and the Western literature is starting to support it more. And yeah, because it's tough to be the ant, no matter how disciplined that ant is. It has to be able to, you have to get that elephant on the same page. I've heard it like this too, Zane, where training the elephant is kind of like training, uh, getting a magnet to be charged again. If you maybe go back to elementary school, you get a magnet and if you strike it enough times, those little things, eventually it will get polarized the right direction, positive, negative on both sides of the magnet. But you have to do it over and over and over again. And that's, that's one way that the mind is retrained is through that repetition. So I guess it goes back to obviously being mindful. And would you say there's a connection to self-awareness along with being mindful? Yeah, mindful is, is like funny because you got mindful because it's so much about emptying your mind, as Master Yoda would say. <laughs> <laughs> Empty your mind. But mindful is what they're really trying to say is to be aware, right? When your mind is full, but you don't want it to be so full, right? You want it to actually be open. More like when Bruce Lee says, be like water, right? Your mind is actually open. You're adaptable. You're aware. You're alert of your senses. You're able to ebb and flow with the different realities. And what yoga starts to teach us is once you become more aware, you start to get a little bit of separation from so quickly jumping into the thoughts entangling yourself in them oh i'm feeling sad i'm sad i'm a failure i'm i can't do anything i'm gonna quit my job i'm gonna 
you know, my ex is probably, my wife's going to leave me, whatever. You spiral if there's no space. So awareness helps to cultivate space, and that space helps to cultivate consciousness. And conscious living helps you actually live from a place that's not just reaction, but responsiveness. And then you're more empowered. I find too, when I'm at my lowest point sometimes, it could be as simple as working out. You know, you have your days where you don't want to do a damn thing. You want to stay on that couch. But if you do that, you're just going to be laying in your negativity the rest of that day. But if you push yourself and you lift up those weights, you get in that gym, you do whatever you need to do, you're going to feel instantly better afterwards. Maybe not physically speaking, because if you, depending on how hard you pushed yourself, but you feel a really good sense of accomplishment after doing something like that. And the more you do that, the more mindful you'll be of the fact that, hey, I just got to keep pushing myself through these scenarios. I got to keep pushing myself through these periods in my life to, in order to maintain these good thoughts in my head so that I can keep growing as an individual. Yeah, I think that's very true, and it reminds me of another thought, you know, every every shitty time in my life has always passed. <laughs> there's a, there's impermanence. Sometimes we, we're hanging on a little bit, getting through something, it happens. Uh, but we have tools, like you said, and I want to really acknowledge that different tools work well for different people, and there's a really strong uh, neurochemical, neurotransmitter background to the our feelings of happiness of motivation of worth of of um pain pleasure reward and so on so you know if if there's if you're in states where it's becoming more chronic it might take a bit more of a shift to get you back to a level where you're feeling better and that's why we have different professionals that are out there helping us we got natural paths we got counselors we got uh, yoga coaches, we got executive coaches, we got all sorts of different people, Ayurvedic practitioners, herbalists, energy healers, There's, the list really goes on, shamans, and really they have, these different schools of thought are important because our world is so diverse, our world is, our world is so diverse, those kind of sayings where like if you uh, judge a monkey on its ability to swim, or compare it to the fish, you get the fish to climb a tree, these things, if you compare them wrong, you're going to think they're idiots, right? So we got to really be careful with how we heal as well. Different injuries, different people, different stories, they don't need different types of wellness practices. For some, it's the gym. I know some people, gym will make it worse. <laughs> I don't like the gym. But yeah, the point stands, though, to why... Why stay uh, in a victim state for any longer than you have to when you do have agency? You can make shifts. <laughs> now, Tim, I don't know if I told you this before when I sent you all the questions for this episode, but I included another. Um, what is the Zara Scholarship? <laughs> You're very sweet. <laughs> so my daughter, is her name is Zara, and when she was born, uh, I decided that I would set a goal to name a scholarship in her honor. And the purpose of the scholarship was one, to celebrate her because she's a blessing and I think she's a gift to the world. Uh, and then also to support, to support learning, 
to support mentorship, to support young adults in their journey. And one of the things that I think is hardest for young adults is the transition through university or education as you go into your early 20s, mid-20s into your career, where you're trying to make these decisions, you feel pressure, and you don't have all the data per se to really make these decisions. And there's all these narratives to that are make this really hard. Like we think there might be one path. What am I meant to do? Who am I meant to be? What is the best decision? And all those things are like, they, they pigeonhole people and in, in like, that's a recipe for anxiety if you're looking for the one thing. Just like when we look for the one person, there's, there's multiple people we could have a great, wonderful, challenging, loving marriage. <laughs> Or a, or a business or a job. There's lots of great employers out there. There's lots of great cities to live. And there's lots of great ways life can go. So the essence of the award is to support uh, young adults in school uh, with a scholarship that supports their learning and supports their uh, acknowledges their endeavors as 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 young youth leaders and also provides them with both mentorship and financial support too. That's very nice, Tim, and I know you can speak on this because you're a father. Uh, the, the The newer generations are key for our for our growth as as humans moving forward, wouldn't you say? Nah. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think these kids are. It's funny because if you remember, sometimes you'll see a kid and you're like, "Man, these kids are getting smarter." Or parents might have said that about us when we were little. Sometimes, maybe not all the time, <laughs> but I know like some of these kids are getting pretty smart. It's really, uh, I think it's a responsibility and a duty to, they don't get to create the world that they're welcomed into. So we, we, we have responsibility to help support them. And there'll be a time when it's our turn to get out of the way because they will become the leaders and we want to really cultivate a collective culture that is empowering in terms of education. That's a huge area that needs um, growth. And, and it's not hard, um, it's not easy to do because our economy is changing so fast. So education was at one time so linked to supporting the economy, like getting workers. Well, the landscape of work is, is changing rapidly, so, as to are the people and our society. Not, and on top of that, uh, education is also for higher learning, for research, for furthering knowledge, which doesn't always pay that well, or only like a few people can only get to the pinnacle sometimes in the current thing. It's hard to get a PhD. Most people don't, and maybe don't want to. And so it's, yeah, kids, education, and future generations, supporting them, and finding different pathways. It's not just about academics, but it's really more about life and our culture and our collective healing and growth. making you think yeah yeah it's got me thinking no i just i love the way you speak it's just so clear and to the point but yet so articulate and detailed that's totally true i like to always think that no matter how old you get no matter how successful you get whatever you end up doing you never forget where you came from you know my parents taught me some really good traditional values that have really helped steer me in the right direction today and and put me to where i am today professionally and I like to embrace where I come from, like Leduc Alberta. 
I was born in Edmonton, but I've lived my whole life in Leduc. And it's important to always remember where you came from. Do you agree, Tim? Yeah, I think you can. Should we should we disagree for the fun of it? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think that the you can go further with it too, because in yoga we'll talk about ancestors. Well, and ancestors is this, you know your first ancestor is your parents, right? And then it just continues to cascade, right? And if you go back, you'll see more and more interconnections. How many third, fourth, fifth cousins you got, and all these different people that are really family. And um, I, I really think it is important to remember place because it's it can be humbling, and place can be very connected to purpose. Just need to be not too rigid that. Um, we're putting up fences or boxes over this is mine and not yours and the culture needs to have some fluidity to have tradition and also change and growth hmm. but i'm glad we're both from the duke born both born in edmonton both living in the duke <laughs> <laughs> you're really into medica- meditation and yoga uh, i practice it uh, time and again as well not unfortunately not quite as uh, religiously as i'd like to but can you get into the science behind it and what is going on in our brains when we're sitting there meditating, when we're sitting there doing yoga? What's going on in our brains as we're breathing heavily and really focusing in on almost nothing but a clear mind? What's happening? Yeah, great question. Great question, Zane. Aside from a lot of stress and frustration from trying to get your mind to be still for a second, do you want to know what else happens? What's that? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think that uh, whenever I teach meditation, I never, I always teach it in the way like, if you need to open your eyes for a minute, go ahead, open your eyes. If you need to move, move. If your mind wanders, that's very normal. If you're... Uh, if you feel a little bit like restless, like you don't want to do it anymore, that's also normal too. You don't have to. I find, you know, there's a, there's some, there's lots of different techniques. One of the ones that I find actually quite effective for people is you, let's say you got a 15 minute meditation. You will have moments where you say to the student, now let your mind wander. Let it, let it, let it go. (laughs) Don't try to hold your breath forever, right? And now bring it back. And so you're exercising that muscle of uh, your mind is naturally wandering. It's curious. It's exploring. It's surveying. It's thinking, preparing, planning. Uh, and then bring it back. And so in, in simple, what you're trying to do is you're working on that muscle. But when you sit and get calm, you're also working on calming your nervous system. right? And often our nervous system is very heightened. Heightened in this go, go, go flight or fight kind of nervous system. Well, if we are able to actually cultivate some rest and calm, right, then we start to get more into that. Uh, we can we digest better, we sleep better, we, our body repairs itself better. Uh, we are able to get out of this. You got this thinking fast and thinking slow. I think that's a Malcolm Gladwell book, I think. But this generally when we're heightened we think fast we make quick assumptions that person's good that person's bad i should buy this i shouldn't buy this this is quick but if but if you actually calm down a bit you can be more thoughtful and the much of the world needs us to be more thoughtful not just reactive 
Um, you know, we didn't fully address how to become a coach. How does one get started in that? I think we didn't fully touch on it. Do you want to circle back? or? Yeah, you can elaborate on that too, Tim. One of the pathways is to find a great accredited um, coaching school that will certify you. Right? So there, there's a level of credential and ethics and uh, professionalism that is in the industry. There's lots of coaches out there that have trainings from non-accredited institutions. It doesn't mean that they're bad. It just means that it's less regulated. So if you find that your coach has a credential that is uh, certified by the International Coaching Federation, well, that you have a, a little bit elevated sense of trust, confidence, and consistency about their training. Um, for myself, I started as a, as a yoga teacher. In yoga, they train us to facilitate transformational experiences. Well, is that not in a way like coaching? Facilitating is part of coaching. It's not all of coaching. Uh, teaching is part of coaching, but not all of coaching. So that's where some of my early skills came from. Then I became a certified personal trainer. That's a fitness coach. Right? I, I, those skills are transferable, so I'm grouping things on. Then I also started to start different projects, different businesses, different activities in the community, and develop more skills as a leader. And as a leader, you need to coach your team and help them become better. So my, my pathway is a little bit different. Over the last 10 years or so, I've been blending trainings and life experience uh, and picking specific niches that I can coach to. Like, for example, I started in wellness coaching. I didn't start with executive coaching because I wouldn't have a lot to say about executive coaching. People de de dealing with CFO and CEO workplace issues, but I can definitely speak to wellness. Um, as time went on, you know, and I took more coaches, uh, certifications in coaching and my master's in management, right? Those types of things provided even more leadership, uh, professionalism and credibility. Um, so yeah, coaching is, Coaching is really about being there for people, and it's it's. It, I think at its core, it's a it's a package of complex and advanced communication skills, where you're really there to listen deeply, evoke awareness, uh, build a healthy professional relationship with the client to help them build their capacity, and then the theme theme might be life, theme might be health, theme might be career, what what have you, but those skills are transferable, and. That's a little bit of my journey. I mentioned how it's been a passion, it's been a skill, and it's also been a thing that I continue to be drawn to nurture and grow. It's a really good way, too, I find, to not only get in touch with yourself, but but value yourself more. Because I know I struggled with that in the past, just learning my value and, and learning to kind of love yourself in a way. It, it's a really good learning journey that really helps you grow personally. There, there's. I just finished up a training yesterday, actually. This morning, I was up early, before 5 in the morning for whatever reason, and because I don't always get up that early, but uh, submitting my final assignments, doing my final exam, uh, it was a Maslow's, uh, Maslow Center uh, out of Vancouver with office in New York uh, and Seattle as well. They certified me as a leadership coach, right? It's pending because I just submitted my final assignments, but that's the credential. Congrats. And thank you. 
Thank you. And that leadership coaching is really relevant to our topic on here about how we're really trying to live our lives better, become more aware. And so a lot of the principles we were exploring were like personal values, personal vision, uh, goals in relation to those values, mindsets, habits. Um, Maslow's hierarchy of needs obviously came up in there too in terms of uh, esteem, actualization, uh, belonging, um, building a holistic uh, whole person psychological health. These things are very important to coaching, regardless of if it's more wellness or more career or what have you. Interesting. Call, call me crazy here. Hit me. But just to kind of circle back to meditation, is there something to be said about combining meditation and water? Because I find sometimes after a long day when I'm just about getting ready for bed and I, I have I usually have a second shower just before bed sometimes just to wash the day off essentially. I like to just sit down in the shower and just let the water kind of flow over my face and I still perform the same meditation practices as you would whether you were doing yoga or deep breathing exercises and close my eyes. Obviously, I'm being very cautious of my water intake because water bills are big, as you all know. <laughs> so I limit it to like maybe five, maximum 10 minutes once in a while. Is there something to be said scientifically with how water can react to human touch and human feeling during those situations? Yeah, I think, I think, well, yes. Zane, the answer is yes. And also, don't worry too, too much about your water usage, if I may be daring to say <laughs> personal consumption from household is a tiny, tiny fraction of the overall water usage when you factor in commercial. Hmm. However, everyone matters, and your values matter too. I would say we need to remember what meditation is and how... It's, very, it's actually a natural thing for human beings to be meditative. Meditation is about conscious awareness. So when we actually slow down enough to be like, what am I noticing? What's right in front of me? Without analyzing and judging it. It helps us come into the human being part of why we're here. The being part. And when you do things like look at the stars and you pause and you look. Or you look at the ocean waves and you pause and you look. Or you have a hug and you feel or you sip some really good tea or let some chocolate melt in your mouth or you listen to a song and you're like, you're really hearing it. You're nowhere else but in that music, right? Or you, you read a great poem and you, you get a tear and you're feeling that tear. Those things are, those are meditative states. So what, what these things prompt us, like if I do a meditation workshop, I'll bring things like this like chocolate, it's a chocolate meditation. Feel that. <laughs> they help people. They help people have an anchor. Sometimes I'll play my singing bowl, right? And then they're hearing this very sweet sound. I'm doing that because I hold the bowl, tap it and go around and rings. But yeah, the water definitely, not only is it important to be hydrated for your body's biochemistry and for your overall mood and state and so on, but that sensation on your skin, 
the the pattern from you know your shower is going to have a not a perfect equal stream there's like different sensations and different uh your feeling the temperatures and so on brings your body back brings your awareness back that helps you it's an aid it helps you now you brought up alice in wonderland earlier but i'm going to bring up another disney flick here the lion king and when mufasa tells simba about the circle of life can this apply to everything we're talking about, whether it's mindfulness, meditation, yoga, and just being more connected naturally with yourself and your surroundings, is it truly possible that we can open our mind up to other possibilities of this universe that we couldn't even have dreamed of? Whether it's having, I've heard people have had out-of-body experiences at one point in history, what do you have to say about some of the, I don't want to say supernatural things behind it, but is it really that powerful to be mindful in that sense? Curious, right? <laughs> yeah. There's, there's stories about yoga gurus. These are stories, right? I didn't live them myself, but there's stories about, you know, a teacher who become like a master Yoda level famous. And a student will come from some other part of the world and they'll say, show me, show me God, show me the divine, show me the truth. You know, and there's, and there's all sorts of stories. There's stories where they do show them and the person's like shocked and they can't handle it. <laughs> there's, there's other stories. It goes down the, in terms of visions, in terms of past lives, in terms of out-of-body experience, in terms of transformations and healings. It's, it's, I think I remind myself that, again, conscious what we're conscious of and what is possible is, I think that we're in a plane of infinity. Things that are possible right now, we didn't know they were possible not long before. And that, and that seems to be a trend. Even if, if, even if you look over a tiny fraction of the last however many thousands or longer of years, seems to be um, an evolution of complexity complexity of things, evolution of society. Um, so Zane, yes, it's very powerful. Yes, it's very powerful. And I can't say that there's a specific formula for do this and you'll get an out-of-body experience or, or do this and you'll find out that you used to be like a, a Roman foot soldier in your past life. And the reason you, the reason your foot hurts is because someone stabbed your toe 2000 years ago. <laughs> but yeah absolutely very powerful like all something you wanted to what was the tell me more Zane what's got you thinking here well I was just gonna say like all things there's a deep rabbit hole to go down if you really want to I don't think I want to get to the point where I'm out of my body I think that would freak me out <laughs> but I do understand the benefits of being mindful and practicing meditation as often as you can because it just it just makes a huge difference especially for someone who's got a brain that's always scattered i can speak to the the benefits of it for sure it's great to have those conversations with you tim especially someone who's very knowledgeable and makes a career out of it it's it's very inspiring well thank you you're you're reminding me of when i was in india uh i lived there for a couple months I was studying in a 
one of the birthplace cities of yoga in Rishikesh in northern India, uh, foothills of the Himalayas. It's very beautiful. You're alongside the famous Ganges River, and it's you're not in like the down the river where it's more polluted, unfortunately. You're right up at the top of the river where it's much more pristine, and you're in a very spiritual place, a very sacred place. Uh, one of the call it what you will, but I'll explain my experience. You can label it if you want. And at the end of the day, it's not really about the labels, in body, out of body, what have you. But there's a yoga practice called yoga nidra. Yoga nidra is, is translates to yogic sleep, but you're meant to get so close to sleep, but stay awake. You're meant to get so, 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 so close. You're just totally dissolved there. And all you can do is you can hear the guided meditation speaker's voice and the sensations in your body. Well, while I was there, I had a, whether it's just a funny thing that their consciousness does a flicker of chemicals, I don't know. But my felt sense, whether it was dreaming or not, was that I had this experience where I was just kind of up at the top of the room, looking at my body there laying down. And I was, I was there, I was like in the ceiling, kind of like a Casper the ghost kind of thing. <laughs> and, I could, and I could see myself just chilling over there. And these experiences, we kind of say, you know, take what serves you, leave the rest. It was from a deep place of relaxation. And the, the, the golden nugget that I thought was helpful for me at that time was you're not your body as much as you think you are. You have a body. It's a sacred, beautiful, blessed, like, look at you, have a body. But we're, in moments like that, where when people say things like, you're a, a spiritual being having a human experience, that we can sometimes wrap our head around things like that when we've actually had some sort of a relationship or experience to feeling more than just a body or more than just a head with a body. <laughs> Very interesting. You said something really important that I think we need to go back to. What's that, Tim? You touched on the circle of life. Yes. That's um, that's interesting in itself, too, because things that I've researched, I've seen people, I think they even made a movie about it, where they've had humans who were born and raised by wolves or hum wild humans that that were literally raised in the wild and then they try to like come back to civilian life and they just can't adjust because they've kind of built this kinship with these animals you think about ace ventura and pet detective how he's really in tune with with um with wildlife is, is that something that's possible as well? Can we c connect with other life forms as a result of being mindful and more in tune with our natural side and nature itself? Does that open the door to that? I, I, my belief, I, I don't know if I can call it scientific, but my belief is that the potentials are, are infinite. Right? It can continue to go in yoga. Right? We've got to remind ourselves, too, that yoga means union. It is, that's what the word translates to. It is speaking to and teaching to our wholeness, our interconnectedness. 
as individuals that we are whole and complete beings and then as a society how we are interconnected too and th- that's a, that's one of the reasons why it's so important to cultivate an inner peace to support an outer peace you you're you're mentioning about the lion king and the circle of life well that is that is that is it right the, it's all it's all connected yoga is uh, there's one of the famous oldest yogic texts, not the oldest, but one of the oldest, one of them, is the Upanishads. And in the Upanishads, there's phrasing in there that explain, you know, human beings come from the earth. We live and we live of the earth when we're eating and on it. And then when we die, we go back to the earth. We're intimately connected to that circle of life, just like when little Simba says, you know, Dad, we're buddies, right? And we're always going to be buddies, right? And he says, "Well, Simba, look at the stars, right? Because hmm. we got these, we got these cycles." And I think, if I might show, throw a story at you, Jane, Jane Goodall, who with the monkeys in Africa, with the gorillas, she's she's very famous, tremendous research. And I heard a story about her when she was four years old, which stuck out to me because my daughter is four years old, right? And the story went like this: it went. Jane was fascinated by animals, just fascinated. Like her nature was tremendously curious about them. And one day she wondered, where do the eggs come from? Like, where do they come from? And so she found out they're from the chickens, but she never actually seen them come out of the chicken. <laughs> so she decided to go follow. She grew up in a farm in England, uh, in somewhere in a rural area, and she decided to go find one and just sit, hide behind them, and watch until the chicken laid the egg what comes first eh? <laughs> and she I she was gone for about four hours and she her family was a little worried four-year-old's gone for four hours <laughs> uh, and when she came back she was so excited she comes running to her mother mother's been looking for her right and I thought it was a beautiful thing mother actually didn't scold her she saw how joyful her daughter was about what she just found out and just said, tell me all about it. You know, like re- received her joy, curiosity, and delight. And the potential really is tremendous, especially when we tune into those unique callings and passions, if they can be nurtured. Sometimes they're shut down. You know, people say, well, I'm not going to make any money doing that. <laughs> Whatever the, the, the belief that someone taught that person, they pass it down, the generational trauma, the ancestral story. Right? We're, we're so connected, not just in this moment, but to the legacies of the past too. So yeah, awareness, meditation, awakening, uh, cultivating better habits, both consciously and subconsciously, uh, becoming a better whole human for sure. That's what it's about. Hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I, I personally am a Christian, so I believe in, in God and the creation and stuff like that. But I also believe that he created a very versatile, powerful soul within all of us. Because that's what we really are. That's what our being is, is we're all souls. We're, we're just utilizing a, a life form on this planet until our bodies die and then our souls go up to heaven. You know what well, I mean? If we, yeah, and if we think about it, not to overstep any of any faith stuff that I might not be aware, so mention if I say anything wrong, let me know. Well, it's okay, man. This, remember, this is a safe place. You believe what you believe. I believe what I believe. And we just talk about it. 
That's right. But there's a huge connection there too because the, the Holy Spirit in all of us mm-hmm. is a direct connection to God. Like we were part of the creation that we're connected to it. Mm. And that same same spark in yoga, they call it Atman. Atman is our piece of the divine. And Brahman is the divine, the whole, the absolute. They follow that such a similar... Obviously, there's nuances, right? But that that element of creation, connection, and holiness, it, and the sacredness of that creation that makes our life precious and important, um, that's that's consistent. So I do think there's some common ground there too. Hey, you said it, common ground. That was the whole plan all along. You, you just you just <laughs> nailed it, Tim. <laughs> Thank you, Zane. Well, you you, you threw the pitch. It was a nice one. I am so glad that I brought this up earlier because this was not on the plan at all. This was not a question that I sent to you, and we thought about it in the moment, and it led us down this tangent. So I just love having these types of conversations. You know, we're talking about our universe. We're talking about our purpose on this planet, talking about strange phenomena with our spirits and our souls. It's really interesting topics to cover especially with someone who's open about it so that's why we have shatter the glass so we can talk about these things everything i'm happy that this went the way it did <laughs> good job man <laughs> absolutely no we were just rolling with it no absolutely well tim this has been a real eye-opening conversation today we're gonna have you on board again here because we got you slated in for i would say series of episodes where we're gonna get in, into more specific things um, what with brain chemistry that we just alluded to earlier and whatnot and get more in-depth about that in an actual analysis of the body itself and other types of natural practices that we can unpack. And we'll bring your sister on board for that as well. She couldn't make it, unfortunately, today, but we're happy to have you, Tim. And, and we really appreciate you coming on Shattered the Glass. I'm always excited to be on Shattered the Glass. And I know that there's many topics here that we could talk about for days. And truthfully, I look forward to those future conversations and to all the listeners out there, reach out, ask questions. We can go into specific topics if you want. And yeah, thank you again. And for folks that are curious, um, True You Yoga Inc. is on Instagram. You can give them a follow. It's all one word, True You Yoga Inc. All one word. And they also have a website, if I'm not correct, right, uh, right, Tim? You got it, yeah, www.trueyoga.inc for the ink.com. And you also have a personal website too, right, Tim? Absolutely, for sure, yeah. My name, which I'm sure Zane will feature somewhere, but timmerlanepacmac.com. <laughs> Beautiful. You heard it here first, everybody. You make sure you check them out, give them a follow, check out Tim's services. The wonderful guy. You will not be disappointed with him. And once again, we really appreciate our listeners tuning in to Shatter the Glass. And thanks again, Tim, for coming on the show today. Once again, everybody, I'm your host, Zane Tomich. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. This is Shatter the Glass.